The Dapper Dividends Podcast is on the air. Hi, everybody. Hey, what's up, you? Listening to me in your head through your ear holes. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's a little bit hot here in Chicago. In Chicago, I'm excited for the eventual fall, my favorite time of year going to be doing Sober October again for the third year in a row. It's a thing. It's official. It's a thing me and my wife are doing, but not before we kick it all off. Well, I guess it's weird. We're kicking off Sober October, kind of cheating a little bit. October 1st, we are going to see my fr- <laughs> me first and the Gimme Gimmies at the House of Blues in Chicago fantastic band. If you haven't heard them, they're kind of a punk super group and they do cover songs. So check the link in the description below for Country Roads. You can hear them cover that. It was the first time I heard them do that in the late nineties, but yeah, what's up? How's it going? We're going to hear, I'm going to get to you a little bit of news. I'm going to put a little bit of news in your brain and uranium has been moving up. I want to talk about that. I wish I was buying the URNM ETF a little bit harder, but you know, we can't go back in time. And then I'm going to tell you why I'm out for what you clicked on, on OHI, or as we call it, OHI stock. So you know what is really cool? Wherever you're listening to me from, thank you. You're in the future from me, but I'm in the past for you. Now, with that out of the way, 81 countries I've been heard in this fun little hobby of mine, 81 countries, there's 195 total countries, so says Google. So I've been heard in about 41.5% of the countries, which is just fantastic, and I really would like to thank you. I hope you enjoyed the last podcast episode with EDGI, the one, the only the the Polish hat. Well, he's not from Poland, but he's half of the Dividend Talk podcast. Welcome to the Dividend Talk podcast. <laughs> My guy Ryan Williams likes to tease, but yeah, thank you again. Figure I'd say that three times. Hey, did you catch that? I said figure. My wife always calls me out on that. Don't know why I've said that as a, a kid. Uh, I guess I don't like to say the use there. So Instead of saying figure, I do say figure. And that may be something that I got dinged on in one of my YouTube videos for the 3M food safety business spinoff. Apparently, I have said subsidiary wrong. Subsidiary. There it goes. It's in my head that, that it's subsidiary, but it's subsidiary. And apparently somebody said it would be fantastic if I would be able to say basic finance words properly or something to that effect, but eh, I'm sorry, but you know what? If I told you that Chipotle used to be a subsidiary of McDonald's or Chipotle used to be a subsidiary of McDonald's, I think you kind of get the picture and both convey the message. So, Hey, but that's me, baby. That's me. I'm a Chicago guy. I got an accent. I might've been a little bit tired, we all have accents. No, you have an accent if you're not from Chicago. It's funny. Uh, I don't know. I used to joke around in the Navy about that, telling the uh, telling the guys that, uh, I don't know, everybody has an accent but me. 
you know, when I'd meet people, I'd be like, oh, wow, what a weird accent you have, <laughs> you know, because I have an accent, but kind of a funny little joke. At least that's the way I remembered it. Dude, so we were up in Wisconsin at Irish Fest. We were coming back and we stopped again at the Pleasant Pleasant Prairie. No, Pleasant Prairie. That's a tongue twister, huh? We're at the Pre Pleasant Prairie. We were at the Pleasant Prairie. We stopped at the Pleasant Prairie Outlet Mall in Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin, and it's owned by Simon Property Group. It's it's owned by Simon Property Group, ticker SPG. And that, man, that thing was packed. But do you know the store that was the most packed with a line out the door? A good, hefty, long line out the door. It was the Nike store, ticker NKE, by the way. And dude, Nike is alive and well. I'm sorry, but people were waiting. Probably I would... I don't know. I would guess that must have been about a good 30 minute wait to get into the Nike store. So there we go. Two dividend stocks there. And I told the kids they didn't really care. Told my wife, eh, she at least pretended to care. When I said, look at all these stores. Daddy owns Simon Property Group. I own the the I own the business that owns all these stores and all these operators, the tenants like Nike. When people shop at Nike, a part of that, that profit is going to pay the rent to me, Simon Property Group owner. So I really like that. That's a pretty cool thought that uh, apparently I get off on more than uh, any other people do around. Yeah. And yeah, with Simon Property Group, what I'm going to be doing is I still hold them in the taxable account. They are the last of the remaining REITs that I haven't sold and rebought in the Roth our Roth is maxed out. So I'm waiting until after the first of the year when I can start contributing to the Roth again. I have 10 shares of Simon and it's a little over a thousand dollars net value right now. So I'm just going to sell it, take the taxable hit and convert that to cash, slide the cash on over to the Roth and then just rebuy Simon Property Group in the Roth. There's no wash rule to worry about if I'm up on it. So the wash rule is if you are trying to tax loss harvest and you sell a position in a taxable account that you are down on, up to $3,000, I believe it is, is what you can claim. You can reduce your taxable income by at least up to $3,000 by selling companies that maybe you're down on. You want to take that tax loss hit, realize that loss, I should say, and then you can rebuy in another account or buy again later, but you can't do it within 30 days because that violates the wash rule. And then you will not be able to claim that as a tax loss harvest as a realized taxable loss. Uh, but what you can do, what makes sense is if you wanted to say you, you were down on Exxon mobile, you could buy Chevron, you could buy something similar. You just can't buy the same exact thing. But that's what I'll be doing. And Lofty, you know, I, I'm kind of done and over Lofty, I guess. It's an interesting concept to, to get into being a landlord of, of um, residential real estate. Interesting. You keep the tokens on the Algorand, Algorand blockchain. You need an Algorand wallet. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in this phase where I want to make things consolidated and easier. So what I'll be doing there is, again, after the first of the year, I'm going to 
there's not much. I think it's like $988 I have in there, but pushing a thousand. So right there, I, I can only do a max of 6K in the Roth each year. So right there, I'm going to have about 2000. So I'm going to get the cash from that. And I'm probably just going to put it maybe all into more Simon Property Group or Realty Income, something like that. So instead of dealing with residential real estate, I'll just go more into being a landlord, like store capital, something like that. Yeah. Sip, sippity time. I'm goofing around and humming and I almost choked myself. Apparently, it turns out, everybody, that... <laughs> It turns out that water is not supposed to go into your lungs. <coughs> That's right. We go full steam ahead. Three, <laughs> 30 minutes is what I meant to say of nonstop action around here. No editing, no cutting, no nothing. We're just going right ahead. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing. A little bit of news. Altria today, I read, boosted their dividend 4.4%. Not as big as it has been in the past. And that... You know, it's not keeping up with inflation. <clears throat> Still got some water in my lungs going on there. But that new annualized dividend rate is going to be $3.76 per share, which is currently on today's price a yield of 8.2%. And, you know, I would like to get back into Altria. I'm kind of waiting for another dip, I guess. But it's interesting that they say that this increase reflects their intention to return a large amount of cash to shareholders in the form of dividends and is consistent with their long-term objective of a dividend payout ratio target of approximately 80% of their adjusted sorry of their adjusted diluted earnings per share. Yeah, again, water in the lungs don't do it. Then <laughs> that marks their 57th dividend increase in the past 53 Years so they are indeed a dividend king. All hail the king, Altria. Yeah. So what happened there is I had sold a covered call, and it got the shares got called away, and then I messed around and did a cash secured put on Intel, and you know what happened with Intel. I'm stuck with them now. That's kind of the downside, but at least I'm getting paid dividends while I sit and wait for Intel to come back up, which EDGI and I. E-D-G-I and I covered. <laughs> well, that didn't sound right. We talked a little bit about Intel and I gave some of our thoughts there. Uh, and lastly, uh, on a little bit of news, GM. I don't think any of you, I, I'd love to know if you are going to invest in GM, but they reinstated their dividend and it's basically down 75% from where it was when they cut that dividend. Uh, what, two and a half years ago or so. And it's a payout ratio of about 5%, which is very, very, very low. They have room to increase it, but it's not even 1%. Last I looked, it was like 0.91%. That's not going to get anybody excited. And yeah, they're evolving. It's just too risky for me with the EVs. And I know they're, they have that uh, the electric version of the F-150, that's going to be interesting to see if people start buying that. The uh, Oh, no, not them. What am I saying? GM. No, that's Ford. GM, what do they have? I'm not a card guy. Boy, I just somebody probably just had a heart attack that I said GM made the F-150. But um, yeah, 
I just stubbed my toe. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I'm I'm moving around the chair and I just I moved the the chair into my uh into my little toe here. Ow. God bless it. It was like a bolt of lightning through. Anyway, so that's what's going on. I'm not investing in GM. I'm not going to buy buy any more GM and uh whoo. That's kind of like uh, what was that show Fear Factor, right? where they tried to, people had to do things and they were like bugs on them and all kinds of goofy stuff. Nutty, nutty, everybody. All right. What's up? What's next? What do I got next on the list? Well, I bought my 10th share of URNM, ticker URNM, the day before it just shot up through the roof, which is good, I guess. I, I was thinking I should just keep consolidating and buying more because as you know, I've talked about, I'm a believer in, in, uh, nuclear power in uranium. I think nuclear power, it's the, it's, what's going to solve our energy crisis. California, I saw today voted to ban the new, the sale of new gas guzzling cars or, uh, ICE, internal combustion engine cars by 2035. will be interesting to see if they go through with it. And I, don't you love that, how politicians do these things like 10 and 15 years out by then? I mean, it can easily be walked back. They make these huge commitments, grand commitments. And then it's like, I mean, come on, like they can't repeal this in 2032, 2033. So we'll see. But either way, uh, it's something that's happening and going on. And yeah, I don't know. One day, I mean, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think one day, you know, my grandkids are probably going to find it really strange that I actually operated a motor vehicle and drove myself as opposed to you just, what do you mean you drove it yourself? No, you just get in, you say where you're going, and then you you go there and you play on your phone, whatever, read, you know, so... That's going to be interesting. But anyway, I, I there's no way wind and solar. I mean, the amount of deforestation that would have to happen in order to have wind and solar power, just a ginormous economy like ours, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. It gets cloudy. Uh, the wind doesn't always blow. And I know they they're, have the technology to store the energy for when it is sunny and the wind's blowing. But I'm telling you, I think that nuclear is still going to be the um, the way to go. And two things that kind of helped push that up were one of them was that Japan announced that they're considering building next gen nuclear power plants. And this is big because they're reversing policy that had barred construction of new nuclear power plants after the 2011 Fukushima disaster. Fukushima! Is that not PC? Fukushima disaster. And, and they had been focused on restarting existing facilities. And, and then I came across this article uh, that came out just today on ETF.com. Really interesting site, ETF.com. Check the description below. There's a link to this article. Go ahead and read it for yourself if you want people. But yeah, I've been investing in URNM. That's kind of the way I'm, I'm gaining exposure because there are a bunch of companies that are inside of it. But anyway, so the climate bill, what do they call it? The Inflation Reduction Act, which is kind of funny because they're spending an ungodly amount of money to reduce inflation. It's just on its face. It's like, I'm going to stop smoking by upping how many cigarettes I smoke. What? Well, anyway, so 
we'll go along with it and, and say, okay, they're going to spend a boatload of money in order to uh, reduce inflation. So, so if you don't get the joke, you know, it's, it, it, I guess it, yeah, it depends on what it's being spent on, but spending money contributes to inflation. So anyway, yeah. So the inflation reduction act uh, is including a range of tax and production credits for nuclear energy and for the research funding. And some of those benefits to the nuclear industry uh, in the United States, at least, is that they could provide up to $30 billion in production credits. And, you know, it's just, again, nuclear comes with virtually no emissions. And a lot of people, including myself, think this is the answer to climate change or fighting climate change, whether you believe it or not, it's something that people do and, and governments are acting toward it. But yeah, there's virtually no emissions on, I think it's the cleanest energy. And here, check this out. The World Nuclear Association and nuclear, I said it. Look at me go, Ma. I said nuclear. I didn't pull a George W. Bush and say nuclear. The World Nuclear Association in September 2021 notes that nuclear energy accounts for just 10% of the world's electricity production. So obviously, in my mind, if you're going after that total addressable market, the TAM, I, I don't know. I would think that's 100% everywhere in the world that needs energy. So there's a lot of room for nuclear energy to really go up. So that's cool. Only 10% of the world's electricity comes from nuclear. And again, I, I'm investing and I'm getting my exposure through the URNM ETF, which is the Sprott Uranium Miners ETF. There's two of them, actually. There is URNM and the Global X Uranium ETF, which is URA, ticker URA. And yeah, I it's just the production of uranium is what URNM is focused on. And it's basically the companies have to be involved in the performance and the production or the extraction or the transporting, all this stuff of the raw material uh, that underlies the entire industry. But yeah, URNM, uh, their top 10 holdings represent about 76% of the total portfolio. And URA is a little bit broader and it's a little bit cheaper from what I can see. And it has about 47 companies. So it's not crazy. I mean, it's it's just the best way I think. And, and one of the reasons I did this is I wanted exposure to Kazatomprom, which is the Kazaki, you uh, are uranium producer, but I can't do that here in the United States. And the only way I would have been able to, that I see is on the London stock exchange, the LSE, LSEX. No, that's sexy. The LSE, <laughs> the London stock exchange. Hey now. Uh, yeah. But anyway, you are on an, URNM, this is going to get confusing. URNM came out in December of 2019. So it's more of the new kid on the block while URA was November of 2010. But yeah, URNM has exposure to Canada, which makes up at least half of the uh, fund, the ETF. So with Canada, Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan, <laughs> Borat, uh, Australia, United Kingdom, and the United States and Hong Kong. And URNM has 19% exposure to 
Kazakhstan. I want to say like Bora. I'm, my, just read what it says, guy. So here, I'll just read what it said. Kazakhstan receives a much lower weighting in URA, 6.54%, than it has in URNM, close to 19%. So I said that reversed, which is why I'm trying to be goofy and silly with Borat, and I'm messing it up. So URNM has more exposure to Kazakhstan, where it is the second largest country in their portfolio. And yeah, they don't have a lot of exposure to the United States, both of these ETFs have less than 5% exposure, but URNM, Canada, 54%, Kazakhstan, 18.6%, Australia, 14, the UK, 4.5, US, 4.4, and Hong Kong, 4.06%. couple more interesting things <clears throat> that Japan, again, plans to generate half of their electricity through nuclear power by 2030. That's less than 10 years away. And I'm just going to read this whole thing because it's important. Kazakhstan, a country closely allied with Russia, is notable because while it currently has no operating nuclear reactors, it is the largest producer of uranium in the world, accounting for 43% of the global supply in 2019 produced from 13 different mining projects. And 10 of those projects are owned jointly with foreign entities. So, dude. Kazakhstan produces 43% of the global supply in 2019, but they're right on the border there with Russia, closely allied. Well, I don't know if they're right on the border. I think they are, right? They're a, they're a former Soviet satellite. Weird turmoil over there, and I think the world is going to start wanting to produce their own uranium and not rely on Kazakhstan, just like the world doesn't want to rely on uh, on Taiwan for all the semiconductor chips. And they do have a little bit of a uh, expense ratio. 0.69% is URA, 0.85% for URNM. So, I mean, really close. That's splitting hairs. And uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. Link for that article below. Check it out. <laughs> and what else? Yeah, so also, if you don't remember, I was on the John C. Stennis, the USS John C. Stennis CVN-74 I've got new art coming up. For those of you that watch the YouTube channel, I'm getting rid of the marker board. I don't like it. It fluctuates too much. Uh, I like selling options and I've been converting to more cash, selling more options. So I'm getting more options income, but it looks like my patty is dropping, which it is, but I'm just moving more into cash. So yeah, I don't, I don't like the board anymore. I'm getting rid of the board. And uh, I did live on board the USS John C. Stennis, speaking of boards, and that was powered by microreactors. So I lived on top of nuclear reactors. I'm fine. I only have three testicles, but I'm good to go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. And really quickly, because I went a little long, touching on OHI, Omega Healthcare Investors. So this is a video I'm going to be finishing editing and you might get the little the little heads up preview here because you listen to me. But basically, in a nutshell, I don't want to worry about companies that I'm investing in. And I'm worried about OHI. As dividend investors, we always, and you'll hear a lot of people say this, buy the business. Don't just buy or hold on to a company because of the dividend. Buy that business and make sure the business is good and solid. And if the business is good, solid, and growing, chances are they're going to be able to pay and maintain and grow their dividend. So 
OHI, they had a quarter to 22 earnings report that was not very good. Now, they were founded in 1992, and they're the largest publicly traded REIT in the USA that's dedicated to skilled nursing facilities, or SNFs, as they call it. And SNFs, they basically just take care of seniors who have significant physical or memory impairment, as well as patients who are discharged from hospitals but still require care or rehab before they can be sent home, such as physical therapy following hip replacement surgery. Uh, Omega is a triple net lease landlord, meaning that the tenants, or they call them operators, pay the rent and all property-related expenses. So basically, as long as their operators are doing well, Omega will do well, but that's what's got me worried. And Omega does look like they're very well-managed but there's a lot of factors outside of their control that seems to have caused them to get pretty financially creative. One of the things when COVID hit, their occupancy fell from 84%. So before COVID, pre-pandemic, they were at 84% occupancy and it dropped to 72% in January of 2021. And they're currently at about just over 75% right now. And their largest tenant accounts for 8.5% of their revenue. Now, yeah, in 2020, the U.S. federal government created the Provider Relief Fund that is basically distributing about $186 billion to aid healthcare service operators. So those are tenants from, uh, those are tenants of Omega Healthcare. But since quarter one, 2022, the STEMI funds, as I call it, the stimulus funds that are, they're drying up. They're down 17%. Now their operators had gotten about 47 million. Now they're at 39 million. And that's in that's affecting their operators uh, paying rent from the increased costs. And I'm just not thrilled that a large chunk of the operators are dependent on Medicare and Medicaid and stimulus funds. And the government, as we know, wants to negotiate on drug prices. So it's just, it's coming. And I don't know if that... These operators are the canary in the coal mine, so to speak. But here, real quick, we'll run through them. AGEMO is a 6%. uh, They account for 6% of their contractual rent. They haven't been paying, and they had to restructure with OHI. Guardian, another tenant, didn't pay in quarter one of 2022, but they restructured also and now resumed rent payments. There's another operator that's 3.4% of quarter one annualized contractual rent mortgage interest. They didn't pay any quarter one rent and they asked for short-term forbearance, but they did pay their full rent in quarter two. Another operator that's 2.4% of quarter one contractual annualized rent and mortgage didn't pay its March contractual amounts. And then another operator accounts for 2.2% of quarter two 22 annualized rent, they underpaid and OHI had to withdraw a $5.4 million letter of credit, held as collateral and put $550,000 toward the June rent. So it's got me worried. Uh, Simply Safe Dividends shows they have an AFFO payout ratio of 93%, which is high. And there's some other numbers here that, you know, you could you could just go down the line. They're they're not looking good because of their operators. And the icing on the cake for me was their CEO, Taylor Pickett, saying he's cautiously optimistic when he said, the metric to look at regarding the dividend payout is FAD or funds available for distribution, which is currently at 94%. 
and he thinks when their tenant age mo resolves, they'll push back down into the 80s. But if that perspective changes, they'll relook at their dividend policy. Ladies and germs, ladies and gents, to quote Tim Ferriss, I don't know about you, but you don't hear Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, or Realty Income talking about relooking at their dividend policy. So, I mean, even if there was a 50% cut, they would still be yield around 4%. But I think people would sell off. Simply Safe Dividends gives them a safety score of 40, which is unsafe. And I just sold it. I had 100 shares. I sold a covered call to get out. And I'm using that money. I sold a covered call option on JP Morgan Chase. I got like 125 bucks on that. But And then I, I put some of that options premium into store capital. So I'm really going to try and get store capital to 100% or 100 shares. I think they're a little bit stronger, better. I'd rather be in that retail side of it. I think, you know, COVID and all that withstanding, I, I think they're still solid. And hey, what what are you doing? What are you, not like right now, just finish that like, hey, what are you doing? Stop that. <laughs> I see you. Stop that. Stop that. Uh, for those of you that listen to the Jerky Boys back in the day, stop that. But okay, a few of you, you know what? The average age on this channel, I think, is like 35 to 44 males. So I think most of you are going to get that Jerky Boys reference. Uh, oh, by the way, Flower Lady, if you've never heard Flower Lady, I'll put a link down below. You got to listen to the Flower Lady series. They're really long. They were cut out before. But anyway, check me out on Twitter at RustyRam78. Go to DapperDividends.com. Click on my portfolio to the portfolio to check out the portfolio. And uh, yeah, I will talk to you again next week. I thank you for listening. For listening. So long, everybody.